Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camarie Widmer, and joining us today is city boy turned PRCA pickup man, Jeff Rector. Today, Jeff shed lights on what it was like joining the cowboy lifestyle from the city boy side of things and how we can help it grow and some great life advice as well as what it's been like being the only African-American pickup man in the PRCA at this time and how he uses that to motivate him instead of deter him. So without further ado, we welcome Jeff Rector. Welcome, Jeff Rector, to the RodeoKids.com podcast. We're glad that it finally worked to uh, collaborate our schedules. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm super excited to be here. Sorry for all the miscommunications and the reschedules, but we are here. So let's make it happen. Yes, let's do. So let's just, I'm going to let you dive into it and tell us who you are and what makes you a rodeo cowboy. Um, well, I guess um, I don't really consider myself a cowboy. I'm more of a city slicker, I guess you would say, but I'm a city boy turned cowboy, I guess you could say. Um, I was born and raised in Kansas City, uh, Missouri. Uh, I like to refer to it as God's country. Uh, but growing up as a little boy, I, you know, my family didn't have horses or anything as a little boy until probably I was about 10 years old. And I talked my grandfather into buying me a horse. Reason being is I just I just loved horses. I just thought they were the the coolest animals on the planet. Um, like when most kids would be watching cartoons, I would I would turn on westerns um, just so I could watch the horses run around and stuff. I just thought they were the coolest animals in the world, and um, I was just infatuated infatuated with them. So talked my grandfather, who at the time you know had really good money, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll buy you a horse." And he bought me a horse, and he bought himself several horses. And before you know it around eighth grade, ninth grade, whatever, we had a bunch of horses. And the thing is, back then, I didn't know anything about rodeo, like didn't even know it existed, knew nothing about it. But the way I kind of got introduced to rodeo was, we didn't have land to keep our horses, obviously, because we're, you know, city slickers, like I mentioned earlier. So we had to board our horses, and we boarded our horses at a facility called the Benjamin Ranch in Kansas City, Missouri, mm -hmm. which is uh, no longer there. It's actually a Cerner place now which is a big like medical company but anyone to make a long story short that uh, facility had a big fourth of July rodeo every year so um, I started going to that and just like man this this rodeo stuff looks pretty cool and uh, my grandfather had became really really good friends with the owner of the of the stables um, his name was Howard Benjamin and he introduced me to Floyd and Bronk Rumford okay. and that's how yeah and that's how I got into rodeo was uh, Justin Rumford and I, who's been my best friend for 30 years, I guess, um, we kind of started hanging out or whatever. He's like, man, you should, you should come with us some, some summer and just, just go on the rodeo road with us. I'm like, I don't even know what that is, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like what? But anyway, so I ended up going with them for one summer and I was like, man, this, this is, this is cool. Like, it's like a traveling carny, right? There's <laughs> right there. And the coolest thing was like, for me, like I'm just around horses the whole time, you know? So so that that's kind of how I that's kind of how I got started. And I just ran with it from there. I just I I got into horses and I got to riding good. And I just saw picking up. I thought being a pickup man looked like the coolest job in the world. You get to ride around, you get to, you're on a horse and you get to chase horses. So it's kind of like the yeah. best of both worlds, right? Right. It's a win-win. 
And then I'm like, you know, also, I mean, you get paid for it. like it's it's a guaranteed paycheck. So you're not worried about beating 100 other contestants or whatever at the rodeo. Like you go in there, you do your job three hours and you get paid. So I thought, man, this is this is awesome. So that's kind of how I started. And I never really expected to be in it and still be doing it and like have a lot of success or whatever. Like I just thought I'd do it for a little bit and maybe I'd, you know, it'd be a fad or whatever, mm -hmm. but it, it just turned into a lifestyle and um, pretty much 99% of my friends are rodeo people, as you know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out like, if I didn't rodeo, like, would I even have any friends? Like, <laughs> like what would I even do? Because like, you know, the city people that I grew up with, like, you know, I kind of lost track of them because I kind of went into a different world or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's just been such a huge blessing. Um, I've got to the coolest thing about rodeo. And as you know, is like you get to travel and I've been I feel like I've been everywhere and I've got to pick up bucking horses in all over the country. And I feel like almost every state it feels like. And it's just been it's just been really cool. So. Yeah, that's such a cool story. And there's so many different ways that everybody gets into it. Like, and no two people have the same story. You might have a similar story, but there's something in it that there's a drastic turn that one person made and every single person has a cool one. So hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. So when you went to your very first rodeo and you were yeah. a child and it's new and it's exciting. And like, I feel like you probably just went in there with big eyes. I mean, I know I would. What yeah, yeah, definitely. It was like it was like a whole nother world, a world that I didn't know anything about. Mm -hmm. So at every turn or every minute you were seeing or noticing something different, like, um, you know, the, the culture of rodeo, you know, like horses and cattle and, and taking care of your animals. Like you just learn so much from the people you're around that I had no clue about, you know, and like in like. I learned, I learned like hard work can get you so far. You know, I see people like no matter how hot it is at the rodeo, you're still feeding or you're doing whatever you got to do. Like that was the biggest eye opener for me was like how hard everybody worked and the work ethic and how passionate they were about it and how competitive everybody was, but yet willing to help the fellow, the people they're competing against. They're also want to help them. You know what I mean? So yeah. just the camaraderie that was in rodeo was just so appealing and so attractive. And, um, I just felt, I just, you know, I just fell in love with it, but yeah, like it's just, um, it's, it was so different back then just being a city boy to, to go on into the rodeo world, but it, it, it drug me in. And you know, once you know how rodeos, once it, it <laughs> drugs you, you're, like, you're kind of in, right. It's kind of yeah. like, it's kind of like the mafia. Like once you're in, <laughs> there's only one way out. Right. I mean, yes, that's true. Even if you don't compete anymore, like it's still just part of who you are. You can't get rid of it. Mm -hmm. you, you can't get rid. Once you're in, yeah, you you can you can quit competing, or I can quit picking up, or whatever. But I'm still gonna be involved some way, like whether that be still having horses, or still hanging out with my rodeo friends, or still going to the NFR. Like you can pretty much never just completely cut it off. I don't think. Yeah. I've never seen anybody do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know of anybody. And like for me, I mean, I grew up in a rodeo family, but when I like completely committed to being in it, like kind of the same deal with you said about your friends, like if I didn't rodeo, who would I even be? Like, this is not just, it's not just a sport. It's a lifestyle. Like it yes. becomes a part of you and what 100%. your whole life is built around. And 100%. I think it's a blessing. 
Yeah, um, it, it's definitely a blessing. Um, you know, like, you know how rodeo is like, you're never going to be rich. You're probably always going to be looking at your finances, worried about that, all that kind of stuff. But in the end, like, it's a blessing because you're doing what you love to do. You're doing what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it makes you happy. Right. So, yeah, there's other things I could have done that probably would have made a bunch more money. Right. But I wouldn't have been happy. I wouldn't have been content, I guess. And so and another thing is like I'm a I'm a huge believer. I don't know how you feel about it. I'm a huge believer in fate. Like, I don't really I think that's kind of why I'm here. Like, I don't know what else I would even try to do. I've tried to do other stuff. Right. And and leave rodeo alone. But one way or another, I always get drugged back in. You know, so yeah, you just can't say no. Or like when you think, man, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna not pick up this year. I'm going to do something different. Then you'll get a phone call, get 10 or 15 big rodeos. You're like, gosh, I gotta, I gotta do them. You know what I mean? Like every time I thought maybe, okay, I'm done. I've had a good career that worked a lot of big rodeos. I'll just do something different, but there's always something that, that reels you back in. So you just gotta, you just gotta follow your fate, follow your path. And I kind of feel like that's what I've done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Good. And once you start doing it, like once you get back out on the road, then it's like, oh yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be. Yes. And a big, um, a, um, kind of a big thing that happened like after COVID, you know, last year, all of our rodeos were canceled. Mm -hmm. Right. So I sold, you know, like three or four horses. I was just like, you know what? I'm probably just gonna, I'm probably just gonna concentrate on my job because I have a good real job and I'm probably just not going to rodeo. Right. Because, like, and um, I went to one rodeo during COVID and I, I got hurt. Like I dislocated my fingers. You can see like, this Ooh. is a straight, this is as straight as it gets. Like Dang. I did, yeah, I did physical therapy, like all this kind of stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take the year off. I'm not going to rodeo. And then I got a call to work some rodeos and I was like, oh, maybe I'll do one or two, whatever. And then once I started doing them, as you probably know, this year, the rodeos were phenomenal because mm-hmm. people couldn't go to rodeos in 2020 so now everybody that wanted to go out and do stuff this year did it and like the rodeos were a blast they were packed we had great weather and I kind of got the I kind of got the the you know the itch back again yeah. the burn got back and I was like oh, I'm gonna go to a few more you know what I mean so so yeah like I, I got I got the itch back so who who knows how much longer I'll stay going now yeah, exactly. so I'm going to maybe have surgery on my finger. I don't know. I got to get that checked out, but. Well, winter's coming. Do it when it's cold. Yeah, that's what, that's what uh, somebody said yesterday. Like, you should probably just get surgery like right now. And then you have all winter to let it heal up and be ready or whatever. So. Yeah. Well, gotta, and it's October. So if yeah. you did it now, then heck, by the time some of those, do you still pick up with the world's toughest deals? No, I don't do those anymore. So I literally would have until like February or March to be ready. So. I've never had any kind of surgery before, so I don't know if the recovery time will be on that, but I'm definitely going to check into that this week. So, I mean, it's just the phalange. I think you'll be. Yes. <laughs> oh, you have you had a surgery before? No, I've never broken a bone or anything. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you'll recover fast. You'll bounce. We'll see. I'll, yeah. I'll keep you in the loop. Okay, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting. I just had a conversation with a stock contractor that brought caps to a jackpot um, last night that we had at the house, and 
we were talking about the rodeos and just different things. And he's been really trying to bring some new stuff to Iowa to the amateur rodeos and just switch it up and level it up a little bit. And, um, you know, we kind of get stuck in a groove, which the tradition of rodeo is wonderful, but we still get to upgrade with the times with the entertainment and keep it, keep it alive and thriving. And I said, you know, like, in my opinion, from what I can see, which I am definitely deep in the industry and, um, I'm a bright sider, so I'm always looking for a good perspective, but I think that COVID, one, people who love rodeo, we're ready to go back, and two, I think families and people who don't, wouldn't normally go to a rodeo have started to reevaluate like what they're doing all the time and realize that we need to be spending more time outside. We need to be making more memories as a family and not being yeah. in front of the TV, not like just going out there and doing stuff, so I think in my opinion, like you just see the crowds have been bigger than ever. And that means that there's people coming that hadn't come before. And yeah. now is a great time to jump on it and keep that ball rolling because there was kind of a, some lag time in there where all this technology came out. But I think parents are starting to see the effects that it's having on their kids by being with the phone or in front of a computer or TV all the time and getting yeah. them back outside and just getting the family effect back. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because like, when all the when all those events were canceled, you know, when when all the when there's events and things to go do all the time, you kind of take it for granted, right? But then when you had that year where you couldn't go do anything, you're like, man, I wish I wish I could go do something, right? So then when everything comes back, you feel like you got to take advantage of it because, especially now where the times are kind of iffy, like you don't know if they're gonna shut stuff down again, you know, right. like. We're kind of in a COVID, another COVID surge again. So I think people are like, I'm going to go do this now while I can in case something happens and they we can't do it again. Right. Yeah. And like you said, like just being outside and just doing something different besides because when during COVID, the lockdown, I mean, you're just in the house. So how much TV can you watch? How many video games? How many board yeah. games can you play before you get bored? Right. Yeah. So that's why people are going outside. Like people have bought more campers and RVs and stuff because and they're, they're noticed, and horses are just <laughs> going through the roof because they're like, man, I can be outside and just do, do my thing and be, you know, be healthy and breathe fresh air and be away from people, you know, and just kind of do stuff that's more relaxing now. So yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been awesome. So I've, I mean, COVID is horrible and I wish it never came, but if there's one good thing or silver lining, it's definitely that like people getting outside, spending time with their families, hopefully yeah. staying with their phones and electronics and stuff. I think it was a really good reset for a lot of people, you know, just like to take some time to step away from everything and look at what's actually going on in our worlds and our lives and in our families. So, and what's, and what's important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, what, and what's important. It's, you know, spending time with your family and when you can, and cause you know, a lot of people, took it real serious and, you know, didn't see their family members for, for almost a year, mm -hmm. you know, me included. Like I didn't hardly see my mom or my dad or my grandparents, you know, for a long time. So, you know, just being able to spend time with them and go do anything together is kind of cool now. So. Yeah. Well, I think too, when you, when you take away like the weekend sports and the weekend rodeos, like even, you know, people in, in town or who are involved in rodeo, who are going to soccer games and basketball games and all of these games, all week, all weekend, and just busy all the time. I think when you step away, you can kind of see like where we're actually at as humans. Like, what is my character actually? If I take away the things that are organized in my life by other people, what do I have? Like, do I have a good work ethic? Do I have, do my kids have a good work ethic? All that kind of stuff. Yep. Like, oh, 
wow, we really need to get around some different stuff because once we take away their structure, how are they going to survive in the world? And that's what I love about rodeo is that like these kids and anything agriculture related. And Steve Gander actually told me a really alarming statistic that I am now trying to tell people all the time because it's like only 2% of the population is directly related to agriculture. Wow. 2% of people. Wow. And we know how much kids get from having horses and livestock and responsibilities and learning what it's like to take care of another living, breathing, eating, pooping thing and how important that is. And um, there's a lot of that lacking in the world right now that people don't understand. Kids aren't learning that at a young age. And so I think that being when when the rodeo comes to town, letting parents know, like, not only is it entertainment, but when you get around these people, just like what you saw, that they're taking care of their animals, even when it's 108 degrees outside right. of Wahoo, Nebraska, and it's miserable, and it's humid, and it's <laughs> the right. worst place in the world, like, you still have right. responsibilities. And You have responsibilities, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and that animal that you love or admire, or whatever, like, he can't take care of himself, right? Mm-hmm. He can't water himself, he can't feed himself, like, you're 100% responsible for him. So no matter how much you've partied the night before or what has gone on in your world, you have an animal that that re- relies on you to take care of them. And so that's those are great values. And I wish there I wish there'll be more of that, you know, for especially for the kids, you know, that they would learn that. Yeah. But yeah, I had no idea that it was only two percent. But I guess it may, when you think about it, it makes sense, you know. Yeah. So I guess we it just got to figure out a way to grow it. Yeah, we got to figure out a way to grow it and get that number to. 10 at least. Yeah, exactly. So from being from the city, like what are some things that like when you went to your first rodeo, what, what stood out to you? I mean, cause it would take a while to learn about all the other aspects of the contestants and the hard work and the passion. But like yeah. when you saw those bright lights in that arena, who did you see and what did you observe that was like, man, I know this is what I want. I think the, the biggest thing, like I talked about earlier was it all, it always comes back to the horses for me. And I think I think what I mean by that is like, when I went to a rodeo, I saw so many different ways that horses were being used. You know, like whether it be steer wrestling horses, right? And, or calf roping horses or the bucking horses, right? Like every, every horse had its job and you could tell that they were good at it and they were passionate about it, you're right? I think that's what stood out to me the most. So when I went to my first few rodeos, like, that's pretty much what I what I was focused on was just the horses and how many different aspects of the rodeo they're being used, whether it be, you know, the 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 flag horses, you know, in the grand entry, you know what I mean? Like, and I just thought, man, they're so, so beautiful and so trained and so like trustworthy, you know, like th- that's what stood out to me. And then all the, you know, all the glitz and glamour and the flags and the fireworks, because this is the fourth July rodeo that I went to, obviously the first few times. So that that kind of stood out to me, just the pageantry and like you're, you know, like, I felt like America, like more American, I guess you would say, right? So I, I guess that's kind of what, what stood out to me was just the the horses and, and how many different ways you can use them. That really, yeah. that really stuck out to me, so. That's really cool. And I think that's important for people to hear because when you're involved in the middle of something, you don't really realize when, the, when somebody who's coming to their first rodeo, what they're seeing. And mm-hmm. that, you know, one thing um, this dog contractor and I were talking about again last night is that 
um, you know, people are always watching us and they're, they're looking at it from all different angles. And so as rodeo contestants and personnel and entertainers and anybody who's involved in it, uh, we really need to make sure that like, we're putting on a good show because we are entertainment. They are paying to come and see what we have to offer. So they're watching every move that we make. They're watching the Cowboys behind the bucking shoots. If they get a chance to walk around behind the trailers, they're seeing what you do at your trailers and watching you take care of your horses and seeing yeah. how you treat them. And yeah. yes, 100%. Like, um, you know, at a, at a rodeo, like you say, when it's over, like, the crowd is leaving and they're, you know, weaving through the trailers or whatever. And you're right. They want to see, they want to pet your horses or they want to take pictures with you. So yes, they're watching everything, which is why it's very important to be as professional as possible at all times, you know, mm -hmm. before, before, during, and after the rodeo, because like you said, there's people around watching everything, you know, they see how you dress. They see if you have a cowboy hat on or not, you know, and that's why, you know, we require people to have a hat on at all times, whether you're in the arena or not. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're, they're watching and they're, you know they're emulating us and it's not it's not only kids but some adults too you know some oh, yeah. of some of my biggest fans I guess you would say for being a pickup man are, are grown adults men women you know what I mean and the whole like so so it's, yeah it's very important to do that and try to set a good example and the coolest thing about rodeo is you know is like there's so many just really good people in rodeo so it's not like it's not like when we're at a rodeo like we have to like fake it or put on this facade because that's just who we are. Like yeah. when you see us feeding or grooming or doing like, we're not doing it because people are watching. We're doing it because that's what we do. Like that's what we were trained to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what we know how to do. And so whatever you see me doing, um, I'm not doing it because you're looking, I'm doing it because I know it needs to be done kind yeah. of a thing. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. where the character of people in rodeo like shines through because yeah, they are who they are and it's good. Yes. hundred percent. The road rodeo has, Rodeo has the best people ever. I mean, I'm sure there's other industries that say that about their industry, but yeah. I would take I would take rodeo people over anybody. You yeah. know what I mean? Just as far as as far as the character that you mentioned. Definitely biased, yeah. but me too. <laughs> like I'm so biased about it. But I, from what I've been around, um, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So today, now that you are, have been involved in it for however long, since you were a kid, what's your favorite thing about it now? Is it still the horses? Um, to watch, to watch. To watch? Yeah. Yeah, my, my favorite thing to watch, and I know it's because I'm biased, but my favorite thing to watch is, is, is a good bucking horse, right? Like there's nothing like seeing like a good, 22 23 point horses jump out there and just buck and do something he loves you know he's not he's not doing it because he's mad or he's whatever he's doing it because that's what they're bred to do that's what they love to do yeah they're so they're, they're, they're they're so at they're so athletic and they're so smart and that that still will always be my favorite thing it's just to watch a good bucking horse mm -hmm. whether it be a bareback side bronc it doesn't matter just watch one just really really fire like that still gets my, that still gets me pumped up and gets my blood boiling. <laughs> yeah, it does yeah. mine too. And like, um, you know, there's a time in my life where I didn't appreciate rough stock like I do mm -hmm. now, but if you watch those horses and even the bulls, like I'm not a huge bull riding fan, but yeah. those things are so athletic. And like you said, they love what they do and the ability of the Cowboys to ride them and just seeing them like stretch out and get up. Like it's, it's cool. It's yes. really cool. It's, it's very cool. And, and you're right. I, I guess I forget about the bulls, but when I first started 
getting in the rodeo and all that, like, that's all I really liked at first was watching the Bulls, right? Because they were just so big and so athletic. So like when I watch TV, I would love to watch all bull riding or whatever. But in person, I like to watch the horses. But on TV and stuff, like that's what attracted me was the bulls. I'm like, dude, they're so big. Mm -hmm. And then another thing about rodeo that I learned, you know, when you're watching TV, you think, man, they're they're all mean. Well, one of the first things I learned in rodeo when I started hanging out with Rumfords and hanging around livestock is that the bulls, 99% of the time, they're not mean. Like Mm -hmm. you can feed right beside them. Some of them, you can pet them. Like they're really, they're really pretty docile, most of them until you go to messing with them then obviously they get kind of mad but but yeah they're rodeo animals are just they're just the coolest and they have they have so much personality it's cool yeah. that's the coolest thing too yeah I remember when I was little so my mom used to work for the world's toughest rodeo when I was mm-hmm. born until I was like five or six years old so I kind of grew up in that and we were at one of those winter rodeos and they had all the livestock turned out in the arena together And they just had them all fed, you know, the bulls, the horses, all intermixed. They like none of the bulls weren't getting mad at the horses. The horses weren't running the bulls off. The rope and steers were out there. This is when it was still a full-fledged rodeo. And that used to be like, oh my gosh, I'd watch those guys walk through the middle of them. And it scared me to death. I was like, oh, bull's going to get me. And I was like five years old. And to this day, I remember the first time I walked through the arena with all of these wild bulls and bucking horses and stuff. And it was like, they could care less about me being in the middle of the arena. They just looked at me and ate, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, especially when there's feed in the arena. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're the last thing on their mind. They're like, I don't care what she's doing, dude. There's, I got a pound of hay in front of me. I'm good. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I think that there are so many misconceptions to people outside of the industry of what these animals actually are and that they're not out to get you. They're just eating. Yeah. They're just who they are. But as long they're, as you treat them right and 99% of this livestock is treated better than any other animal that you're going to see. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like we, you know how it is. Like we we feed them and take care of them before we feed ourselves. Like mm-hmm. in the morning, you make th- make sure they're taken care of and then you can go feed yourself and have breakfast. And at yeah. nighttime, same thing. You feed them before you feed yourself. So they're they're definitely well cared for because they're they're so valuable to our industry, mm-hmm. and we would be, we would be crazy not to take care of them. You know, yeah, I've even heard about like some of these like futurity buck and bulls and stuff that they're doing like femur treatments and chiropractic oh, yeah. adjustments. Oh my god! Yes, Dang, like we're taking it to the next level now. Yes, like they have chiropractors come in. They take them to do swimming and stuff to keep them in shape. Like they're so pampered like it's it's unbelievable but it's because that's how we make our living right mm-hmm. like these these things are worth so much money and they bring in so much income by being great so if you don't take care of them you're kind of just shooting yourself in the foot right exactly <laughs> yeah okay so let's go down a different path so yep. you bring something unique to the industry that we don't see very often Mm-hmm. being a black cowboy and yeah in that like how how has that been like what's that like yeah so when I first started um working as a pickup man I, I guess I didn't you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. right so I didn't know that like you know I was the only African-American pickup man like I had I had no idea I never even thought about it right and I guess that when I first started thinking about it was the first couple of times I started working a rodeo um, I ran into a couple of like racist things, I guess you would say, not from people within rodeo, but like people in the crowd or whatever would would shout racial slurs or whatever. And that's when I started looking around. I'm like, man, like 
I'm kind of the only black person out here. I see why people are, are noticing me more. But when you when you first start getting into it, like I don't, you know, I don't show up somewhere thinking, okay, I'm the only black guy here. Like you don't right. really think about it. You just show up and do your thing. But then at the, the longer I was in it, I started to notice, man, there's not anybody else here around here that that's like me. And so I kind of wanted to take it upon myself to, and I say that I say the same prayer before I ride in the arena, even to this day, like I always pray to just represent my race to the best of my ability, right? Mm -hmm. Because I know that there's people out there at the rodeo who haven't probably never seen a black guy on a horse before, you know, especially um, assigned a, an important job in the arena, right? Taking care of bucking horses, taking care of cowboys. So I know that when I ride in the arena, I know whether it's said or unsaid, I know there's a lot of people who are saying, oh my God, there's a black guy, right? I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's just the way it is. So when I started to notice that, then, then that, that actually motivated me more, right? Like I wanted, then I started to like make a list of like things I wanted to accomplish yeah. because I knew I would be the first black pickup man to accomplish those, right? So I wanted to be the first black so pickup cool. man to work this circuit finals or work that circuit finals or do whatever. And so I just, you know, I made a list of what I wanted to do. And that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I stuck to it. But yeah, I, I noticed it and it, in, instead of like, it being a deterrent, it, it motivated me more because I wanted to get in front of as many people as possible. So they knew that there was, there was black people who rodeo and there's, yeah. there's lots of black people who rodeo, who rope and ride and do stuff way better than me. Right. Right. But there's never really been that I've known or that anybody's told me about is like a professional PRC, a pickup man. So, mm -hmm. so that, that's what I wanted to bring to the table. Like, Hey, there's, there's tons of black guys who rode calves and bulldog and ride bulls and stuff like that but there's not many or any black pickup man so that, that i wanted to just take take that aspect of it and move it as far as possible i guess yeah yeah now, why do you think that that is that there's not more um i think it, i think it's just you know if you're if you're african-american and you you rodeo like you're pretty much introduced to things that are competitive right in other words like you want to ride bulls because you you know it can make if you're good at it, it can make you a lot of money and if you're not scared of bulls sure it'd be a great way to go like if i wasn't scared of bulls i think it looks fun but i'm scared to death to get on them right so i would never do that right but like it's 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 easier you control your own destiny more if you rope or if you bulldog or whatever because you can go buy a nice horse you can go to any rodeo you want to go to you can go in it right mm -hmm. whereas if you're a pickup man you have to rely on other people to hire you right gotcha. like i can't go to and you know how it is like i can't go to world's toughest rodeo unless they call me and hire me no right. matter how no matter how good my horses are how good i think i am i can't get jobs unless other people hire me which is which is tough sometimes right mm -hmm. so um but when you're when you're roping or doing whatever, like you can, you can kind of control your own destiny. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's what attracts people to it. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is like, you can't just go practice being a pickup man. Right. I mean, how it's hard to find a place. Hey, let's, we're going to buck horses today. Like that just hardly doesn't ever happen. You know, right. once a month, if you live in Texas or Oklahoma, maybe, but especially up here, like I can't really go practice picking up, like, the only time I get to practice is when I'm in the arena getting paid to do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, so I think that's probably the biggest reason is it's just competing is just easier and more accessible. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I went to the little Britches finals, like I've been really interested because I'm from small town, Iowa. 
I, in all of 12th, from kindergarten to 12th grade, I was in the same school and there were two African-American families that came through the school in 12 years. And yeah. that's it. And like one of them was in and out and the other one, I don't even know if they graduated from there because it's just, it's, a, we live in the Midwest and yep. and Farmerville and it's just not that common. Um, yep. So I've just been really interested in learning more about what what the lifestyle is, what's going on in the world, what I hear on the news and what's real and what's not and stuff. And, you know, people are people. That's what I see is people are people. Mm-hmm. But um, when I went to the Little Bridges finals, I think that there were only like three or four African-American families. Yeah. And so there's 12, 1300 contestants there. Like how yeah. is it, is it something that you think that we as an industry need to is there a way to open up more and be more inviting or is there a reason that there's not, or is it just a culture thing or. I think, I think a lot of it is a culture thing. And I think a lot of it is, um, you know, accessibility. In other words, if you're, if you live in the city, let's say you like now you live in the city and you're just in love with horses. Right. I got lucky because there was a place I could, I could go to learn. Like I, when I, Benjamin Ranch, like they had riding lessons and there was always people around that wanted to help, right? Whereas now I don't even know, like, let's say I wanted now, I wanted to go learn now. Like I wouldn't even know where to go. Like there's no, like, I don't really see many places to go learn or go practice or do that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And there's probably like a financial aspect to it too, you know, like it's expensive, right? So if your kid is into, playing basketball and football and hockey or whatever. And then he wants to kind of do horses and stuff on the side. Like, it's like, you kind of have to choose one or the other. And I think right now, you know, they see, they see people on TV, like in the NFL and the NBA, like those are their role models now. And they see them on TV all the time and they see them making money Mm -hmm. and living this lavish lifestyle. So I think that's kind of what they want to go into. So I think there's probably less people who are exposed to the sport um, just because of what they see on TV, right? Yeah. And a lot of that is because of what's going on now. Like if you, I mean, if you turn like the NFR that's coming up in December, if you, when you turn on the TV, you know, you're probably going to see, you know, what was there probably going to be three black contestants this year at the NFR? I can't remember, but yeah. not that many, right? You're just, you're just going to see mostly Caucasian people. Mm-hmm. So if you're a black kid watching on TV, even if you, even if you are in love with it, you may, you may kind of feel like that's their world. Like I, I can't even get in that world. Like that looks like so far away. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think that's, that's probably the biggest thing. So to probably, you know, to counteract that the biggest thing to do would maybe to be to have more accessibility somehow, some way for kids who are interested in horses to come learn, learn how to take care of them, learn how to ride and then see if they want to take it further. Maybe it's just, maybe they just kind of want to do it once a month or maybe they want to Right. Like me and just do it forever. Like, but, it, but they have to have some, some kind of access to do it. Right. Yeah. And inter- probably, introduction to it. Introduction. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I, that's probably the biggest reason that there's not more African-American people um, in rodeo, but like, and I don't, you probably know this, but like, if you go to some parts of Texas, you're going to see, you know, you're going to see tons of African-American cowboys. Well, yeah, they have like their own associations and their own right. rodeos and all of that. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of so like the we, Indian rodeos too, like similar. Yeah. So if we had that up here, that would be great. But I just don't know. I just don't know if that's really feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is like, if you, if you're very, if you're really, really um, 
want to stick it out and want to make it work, like you can do it, right? Like mm -hmm. for instance, after, after in high school, um, I got moved to out west because I'm sorry, out east because my mom kept getting transferred for a job every time she got a promotion. So I, I was in Chicago for a couple of years. I was in uh, Virginia for a couple of years. But what I would always do is I would always fly home on the summer to get back with Rumfords and Rodeo, right? So That's there's some right. things you can do if you if you really if you get the opportunity and you really have the passion, you can make it work. So yeah. yeah, I just think that like I like to have these conversations just because I think we need more awareness of what's going on in the industry from different perspectives. Because again, if you're in it, everything's honky dory, everything's great. But if you look at it from the outside, what's really going on? Um, sure those conversations need to happen in order for us to continue growing and not just imploding. hundred percent. Yep. And, and the thing is like, we all have to kind of do our part, you know, mm -hmm. as, as much as possible to try to keep our sport growing and introduce it to all kinds of different people, whether it be black, white, or Asian or Mexican yeah. or whatever the case may be, we just have to do as much as possible. And I think that, um, you know, us like the rodeos being on TV more, will help you know mm -hmm. that that's obviously going to help because it'll bring all kinds of people into the sport not just people of different yeah. colors but but yeah I mean I think that's very important moving forward so strike up different uh, interests for sure and yes invite your friends to come ride your horse or watch your rope or something like, even in the practice pen like I think you know I remember growing up and I kind of looking back I had like two separate lives I played sports sometimes and I was an FFA and all that kind of stuff. And then I rodeoed and very rarely did I invite my friends to come watch me practice or to come ride with me or to go to a rodeo with me or anything like yeah. that. And looking back, I wish I would have been more open to saying like, Hey, like this is the other part of my life. Come check it out. Come to a rodeo with me. Let, yeah. let me teach you about it. I mean, I can say that now because I'm 30 and I have two companies that are centered around educating people. <laughs> But um, yeah, I think that's something that we need to teach the kids to do. And we need to, you know, just make that awareness that we get to invite. People. Yeah. And yeah. And that's, no, that, that's, that's a good point. And like, and something that I, you know, growing up as a kid, like when I would go back to the, you know, to the city, like during the winter and stuff like that, when I wasn't on the rodeo trail, like I never, I never wore my cowboy hat. I never wore my cowboy boots, right? Like nobody even knew I had like this double life of being a cowboy. Like nobody knew except for maybe like a two or three people or whatever. So, and people used to always say like, how come you don't dress like cowboy? You're a cowboy. I'm like, I just like, I don't know if I wanted to hide it. Like I was ashamed of it or whatever, but like thinking back, I wish I would have done that more because that would have maybe more, I could have brought some more people with me. Like, man, Jeff's a cowboy and he goes home for, he goes home in the summer and rodeos like, that's cool. Like maybe I should go with them and check it out. You know, maybe that could introduce more people to the sport. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, but I didn't think about that at the time, but you know, that, that's something I wish I would have done too. That would have yeah. probably exposed more people. So. Yeah. Well, and like you said in the beginning, you don't know until you know, like you don't even realize it. you kind of are who you surround yourself with. And if you're going out on the town with your city friends, then you usually dress like a city person like I do like I get dressed up wear high heels and all that kind of stuff but yeah there are definitely times that I could wear my cowboy hat more often than I don't so, yeah and I'm bad about that as as you probably know like I don't really wear a cowboy hat unless I'm in the arena right I don't know why and I, I hate to say this but like I I don't even like cowboy hats I don't <laughs> so so I don't wear them 
but but you don't have to you don't have to have a cowboy hat on to be a cowboy right right some of the most talented people in the world don't wear a cowboy hat all the time or you know like since whatever but I that's just something about me that that's a little fun fact about me you may or may not have known I did not know that okay yeah I'm not a huge cowboy hat person obviously I wear it when I have to but if I don't absolutely have to have a cowboy hat on I don't really wear it and that's why at the beginning of the conversation I told you I'm more of a city slicker than I am a cowboy. <laughs> they so. call it like an asphalt cowboy. There we go. There we Let's go. go with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that. Okay. So that's all. Thank you for all of that. That's just yeah. really insightful. And I, like I said, I think we all just need to learn more about that. So yeah, um, sure. as a pickup man, what is something that from your viewpoint, perched on a horse in the middle of the arena that you get to see that nobody else gets to see? Um. I think the biggest thing that I can say is people don't realize how how big and powerful and strong and athletic rodeo animals are, right? Whether that, that could, that's bulls too. Like when you're when you're in the arena and you can you can feel their power and you can feel their athleticism and you can see how fast they are when you're trying to catch them like there's just so much that you don't realize until you're actually out there with them and I think that's the, that's the biggest thing is is the power and the grace and, and the athleticism and you can't really experience it until you're on a horse and you're you're picking up a cowboy or you're getting a flank strap off a bucking horse like you don't realize how how big and powerful and forceful those things are like that that's 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 the thing that'll that'll always stand out to me and even, you know, even when I, before I, when I first started, like, that's what, that's what I noticed. And that's what I still notice to this day. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like if I take a year off or whatever, like, and I start, you know, start picking up again and begin the year, like, that's what I have to get used to is the, the, the power of the horse or whatever that can yeah. dislocate your finger by just touching them, you know, like, <laughs> like that kind of thing. You know what I mean? That that's probably the biggest thing that I wish people could that everybody could experience once. Yeah. Like, and yeah. they're so tough. Like they are not fragile animals. Like they are tough. <laughs> no. They are gritty. And if they want to, they can eat your lunch. But most of the time they're just doing their job. And yeah. I picked up when I was in Rangeley uh, as a rodeo coach, we didn't really have anybody to pick up. And so I had yeah. a young horse. I was like, I'm going to try it. Like I just fiddled around with it a little bit. Yeah. And then um, I rode a pickup horse for another guy and kind of helped him out. They were bucking colts. And yeah. he was kind of coaching me through it. And like, it's such a rush. Like you're running on your horse full speed and this sucker's running on his uh, going full speed. And you're trying to reach yeah. down there and grab the rope and dally on. And like, these were colts, So you dally on. And then they're like, what are you doing? Right. And yeah. then you have to get them. And like, there's so much strategy that goes into it. And yes. there's yes. just, there's a lot to it. There's, there's a lot that goes into it, you know? And there's, there's so many different um, things that can, you know, variables, I guess the word I should use so many variables, like, like you said, like, are you picking up colts? Are you picking up old horses that have been picked up a lot? Are you riding? Are you riding a good solid pickup horse? Or are you riding a green horse? Are you breaking out a new horse that's, that's been there, but hasn't been picked up on in a while? Um, what time of year is it? Is your horse legged up? Is he going to be fast right now? Like, like, there's so many different variables that go into it. And one thing I've, I've always loved about picking up is, it's never the same, right? Like we could, we could run in 10 horses right now and put the 10, the same 10 guys on them and buck them every day this week. 
and it's never going to be the same. It's always going to be different. The, the horses are going to buck different. The Cowboys are going to ride different. My horses are going to work different. Like they're going to be at a different part of the arena when the whistle blows. Like it's always going to be different. And that's something that I've always loved about being a pickup man is you, you always have to be on your toes because you never know what to expect. Right. Yeah. Like a guy might, a guy might hang up in the bareback ride or, you know, a bull might get a guy down. You got to rope the bull or bull might not want to leave the arena. You got to rope him. Like there's, there's always something going on. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's kind of another thing that, that drew me in, I guess you would say, is, is just the unpredictability of it all. Yeah. So as a pickup man, like, what would you say is some advice to give somebody who is a bareback rider or a saddle bronc rider, like when they're getting off, like, what are things that you can say as a pickup man that they need? To um, the biggest they're... thing is, and, and they learn this in, in the schools and stuff like that. The biggest thing is just, I know it's hard because it depends on what the bucking horse is doing, but if you can get off as much as possible on the back of my horse and not on my head, <laughs> that's probably the biggest thing. You know, when guys dive at your head or or they're they have so much weight on you or whatever, and they've got and they've got you kind of bear hugged where you can't use your arms. You know, that happens a lot because if you can't use your arms and you can't do what you need to do with the horse you're riding to get the guy to danger, right? Right. So if you jump off of me and I can't steer my horse out of the way, you're probably gonna get kicked, mm-hmm. right? So the biggest thing is, is, you know, try to learn the effective way to get off using the back of my, using the back of my horse. Um, for bronc riders, when you get off, try to hand the, the pick them in your rein. That's another big thing. You don't ever, you want to try to always hang on to the saddle bronc horses as much as possible. You don't want the rein dragging on the ground. Cause I guess I never they, thought about that. That's yeah. You, yeah. Sense. You always, yeah. If you watch pick up, man, we always try to keep hold of the rein in the saddle bronc riding because if if the you get the cowboy off and the horse takes off with the rain dragon, he can step on it and over the top and then they can get hurt, which doesn't happen a lot, but it, it can happen. So as you know, like most of picking up and a lot of people don't know this and hopefully they realize this on the podcast is taking care of the cowboy is one thing, but the bigger part of it is taking care of the bucking horses because 95% of the rodeos you go to you're going to be hired by the stock contractors and they hire you because they know you're going to take care of their livestock. That that's what it's all about. Right. Like there's only a couple rodeos where the Cowboys, the Cowboys vote you in. That's usually a circuit finals or the NFR or one of the year end rodeos. Mm-hmm. But, but for the most part to make your living and get down the road, you're going to be hired by the stock contractors. So, so taking care of the horses, the bucking horses is a major, major part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you just don't think about that, you know, unless yep. you're having a conversation like this or you're the one who's <laughs> doing it. You right. don't think about what what your priority, what everybody's priority is while they're there. Yeah. And that's an important thing to realize. And it's yeah. always good to have those little tidbits of, you know, where to get off and handing the rope, like especially to these young kids who are just getting started. And I know my dad, he picked up a long time ago and he says, sometimes, you know, those guys just want to ride for so long and then you just almost have to jerk them off because they won't get off the horse. And I don't know yeah, if that's and true I, or not, but. Well, i tell you what, that, that happens. Like if you're working like high school rodeos or sometimes even college rodeos, but where people are just still kind of learning, mm-hmm. that can be the case because they don't know how to get off yet. They don't know when, they don't know blah, 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 blah. And they just don't have the repetition of doing it a lot. Yeah. But, you know, at the PRCA level, guys know how to get off. They get off good. 
they get off quick. So yeah, it's usually know, pretty graceful. It's usually very, you're very graceful. Yeah, very graceful. But, you know, growing up, you know, I worked a lot of, a lot of high school rodeos, a lot of uh, college rodeos and stuff like that, like tons of them. Yeah. So, I, so I'm, I'm definitely used to that too. But where I'm at now working mostly just PRCA rodeos, like getting off is, you know, them guys getting off is pretty easy. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Okay, so what are, we've got like 10 minutes left. What's some advice that you have for somebody from the city who wants to get involved in rodeo? First things first, I would Google where in your area you can go ride a horse, right? Not necessarily take lessons first or buy a horse first or whatever. Just go somewhere that will allow you to, to pet a horse, brush a horse, learn how to saddle a horse and learn how to ride, right? See if it's for you because a lot of times what looks cool may not be as cool once you start doing it, right? Because mm-hmm. some people, you'll, you, you've probably seen it. Some people, they'll be gung-ho to go ride or whatever. Then they get there and they're scared to death, right? Yeah. So, so Google an area where you can go in your city, in your town, whatever, that will that can expose you to a horse the first couple of times to make sure you like it, right? Yeah. And that can be as easy as, reaching out to me or reaching out to you, like, you know, like I'm on, I'm on off social media. Like I definitely don't mind helping people. I've definitely had people reach out to me for it and let them come ride my horses or brush them or have their kids come out and take pictures on them, like all that stuff. So that would be, that would be the biggest thing um, would just be to find somebody in your area that can help you get some, get some exposure, I guess. So. Yeah. Well, and I think when you go, like when I give lessons to people who have never ridden, like we had some people come from Naperville um, by Chicago the yeah. other day. And the boy is like 10 years old, I think 10 or 11, and he'd never ridden before. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to go, we're going to go ride. Yeah. And he's so excited. And like the vision that he had is, oh, well, I'm just going to go, I'm going to get on this horse. I'm going to ride it. I was yeah. like, no, 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 no. We got to brush the horse. You get oh, to yeah. saddle the horse. You have to, you know, you get to go through all and you have to learn how to take the put the saddle on put the bridle on catch the horse do all of that yeah then we get to go through a tutorial on how to ride and then you get to walk and then we get to take the saddle off and learning to appreciate the whole process first and understand it that it's not just get on and go it's not like a car you don't just get to start it and it goes (laughs) yeah you don't just show up and throw a leg over one and then and ride for 20 minutes and get off and go home like like you say, there's a, there's a process to it and it's important to know the process Yeah, because you're, because if you decide to get a horse or get into the industry, like you're going to have to go through that process on your own, you know, mm-hmm. so hundred percent, hundred percent important to, to do that. And the other thing I would say is, you know, for people who want to get into horses, keep in mind, like there's a lot of different avenues you can go into to be involved with horses. It doesn't have to be rodeo. You know, if you want to, you want to show horses, if you want to do cutting, if you want to do whatever, you can do it, right? It doesn't have to be rodeo. So if rodeo intimidates you or you're not real sure about it, like, you know, you can you can just trail ride if you want to. Like, there's all kind of different things you can do with horses. So it doesn't have to be, quote unquote, rodeo, I guess you would yeah. say. Yeah, here's another yeah. statistic I've learned yeah. recently is mm-hmm. that um, 92% of horse owners are women. And out of all of the horse owners, I'm the one with my phone going off, um, but with, out of all of the horse riders, 85% of horse owners do not compete. No, it's 82, 82%, 82% do not 82% compete. 82% do not compete. Yeah. Yep. And 15, 
Only 15% of horse owners are competitive all across the board, not just in rodeo, that's dressage, that's jumping, that's everything. So 82% of people love to trail ride, love to so have them as pets. Before you read that stat, what, what, would, what did you think the percentage was? Because I never thought about this, so I don't even know what I would have even guessed. Do I don't know. I was at okay. this Equitana in Kentucky, which okay. is um, primarily English. Um, okay. but they were doing a seminar type deal on this stage, which was right by yeah. my booth. And so I was just listening into what that was. And they were just kind of talking about the industry. And it was, I can't think of his name, one of the big backyard horse trainer guys um, mm -hmm. who has a huge following. And he was talking about it. And I guess I would have thought it was maybe more like a 70 30 60 40 yeah. like yeah. I definitely knew that there's more trail riders and people who aren't yeah. competitive but to only have like 18 percent of people I was like dang yeah. like yeah. and then to know that only two percent of the population is related to agriculture at all that's like that makes it really small no I get that it makes it mind-blowing for sure but yeah that's that's those are good stats I'm, I'm glad you threw those out to me because I did not know either one of those so yeah I have learned both of those within the last month. I'm so I'm <laughs> growing and learning and all of that kind of Look stuff. at you learning on the go. I know. Yes. Always trying to um, gain a little knowledge. And as you get older, you appreciate those kind of statistics. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, you do. You're right. You do. Yeah. When you're younger, you don't care. You're just like, whatever. I'm not worried about what anybody else is doing. I know what I'm doing. But yeah, me and my yeah, buddies, I mean, we're having a good time. We're going to make the NFR. Like we got goals. We got dreams. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Okay. So what's a piece of advice that you have for, um, like, a, a kid who's just getting involved? Um, the biggest thing I would, I would say would be learn, learn how to work hard and, and be passionate and treat people good. And, and I promise you, if you do that, good things are going to happen. Because there's going to be things that are out of your control that are going to push you into the sport. In other words, I'm a big believer in faith and God and all that. And if, if God knows you're working hard and he knows your heart and he sees you busting your butt and treating people good, he's going to open doors for you that no man can shut, right? You're going to have, you're going to have opportunities come out of the blue that you didn't expect. And so just work hard and be patient and treat people good and good thing good things will follow i can promise you that so yeah. that would be that would be my biggest advice yeah. that's great advice so a little yeah. bit on like the god thing um and having yeah. faith so you know i've been on this journey with rodeokids.com and the performance pony company and then rodeoing and everything for a while now and getting ready to go to vegas next month um you know we have a lot to invest and whatnot and so we had this broken at the house and I was doing chores afterwards and I was just having my little time talking to God. And I was like, you know, it's been a good night, but I got a lot of bills to pay tomorrow. And I just, I hope and pray that I'm on the right path. And if I'm not like, just let me know, but I don't want to keep going. I got to not keep, but I don't want to go broke doing this. And so I could really <laughs> use a sign, use a little help type of deal because yeah. it's not always easy. No matter what path you choose in life, you're going to struggle. Yeah. But if you're on the right path, God will treat you right. And yeah. about 10 minutes after that, my phone dings and it's this little ding that goes off when I get an order and I'm like, yeah. sweet. Most of my orders are between 20 to $200. Like that's kind of the range yeah. that they're generally in. Mm -hmm. And I look down on my phone and it's $989. <laughs> <Within> <laughs> You're like, minutes, 
within 10 minutes of saying that prayer and talking to God. Yeah. Yeah. He said, you're on the right path. Here's a little boost. Yeah. Here you go. Here's your sign. Here's your sign sign that I got you. I'm noticing what you're doing and I got your back. Yep. And that's everybody needs one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody needs one. And I've had, I've had more than I can even relay, but yes, there's, there's always a sign if you, if you're doing, if you're doing the right thing for sure. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that just, I think that just goes along with everything you just said, you know, the hard work, being passionate, treating people right and doing things for the right reasons and following and the path that he has for you, even if it's different than what other people do. Yeah. Hey, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad you said that because there, there's going to be, there's going to be peer pressure to do something that everybody else is doing but you don't have to do that follow your own path don't don't um fall into the the peer pressure of whatever is around you because there's a lot of different things coming at all times mm-hmm. not only in the rodeo industry but just in, in life in general there's life, all kind yeah. of stuff that's going on around you so just stay on your path do what you're passionate about and everything will work out like it's supposed to i think yes well i think that's a great place to end because that was awesome yeah perfect Uh, so thanks for having yeah thanks for having me on it was fun yeah and good to catch up with you finally for sure yes i'm sure i'll be seeing you i'm gonna get my cart to breakaway this year yes we talked about that i'm looking forward to that yeah so i'm sure i'll see you more like the cowboy hat fact i probably wouldn't have never known because the only time i ever see you is at a rodeo right usually while you're picking up so true well now you know that's my that's my useless fact for the day (laughs) Well, awesome. Well, thank you very much. There's a lot of good stuff. And thank you for sharing your insight and just being open and honest. And I think it's going to shed a lot of light and change some people's perspectives. That sounds good. Thanks for having me. And I will see you all soon. As always, thank you for listening to the rodeokids.com podcast, and we invite you to share this with your family and friends on social media. Talk about it in the truck or at the dinner table, and please give us some feedback. We love to know what you think and what you've heard and what you're learning. So please let us know. And last but not least, we invite you to our next rodeokids.com monthly Zoom on Monday, November 8th at 6.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. This month's guests are amazing ladies that are both making it to the NFR this year. We have multi-time world champion Haley Kinzel and three-time NFR qualifier Emily Beisel joining us on that Zoom. So we will have the opportunity to talk directly to them and hear their stories and ask their questions in person over Zoom. You'll be able to find that link on our Facebook and Instagram pages uh, leading up to that Zoom. Again, that's on Monday, November 8th at 6.30 p.m. Central Time Zone, and everybody is invited. We will take kids' questions first, but we invite the whole family to tune in. Thank you again. Safe travels. Good luck, and God bless.